Episode 106, Dennis Bernstein. We're kicking off another summertime week where there should be no hockey news, but we're back with news and a guest. How you doing? No months off, John. No months off. I'm doing great. Let's get to episode 106. Yes, and we are coming to you live from the beautiful studios here in Southern California. This is the Frantisek Caberlet Studio, or Frank, as Bob Miller liked to call him. <laughs> and uh, DB, I, I'm wondering, do you know the reference to Caberlet? Um, I know he's the lesser-known brother of Thomas Caberlet, and I know he did play for the Kings. That's about as much as I know. He did. Well, not only did he play for the L.A. Kings, he played 37 games here in Los Angeles, which is really a drop in the bucket over his 523 games that he played in the National Hockey League, primarily for teams like Carolina and Atlanta. Of course, uh, Rob Koch, L.A. Kings PR guru, he was there in the Atlanta, with the uh, Atlanta Thrashers earlier in his career. But that's not the reason I mentioned Caberlet. Not only did he play those brief 37 games in L.A., and he played four games in AHL Lowell, which is when they were the Lock Monsters. He also played 18 games with the Long Beach Ice Dogs, uh, a very popular team here in Southern California. None of those are really are the reason. The reason is because he came from and was drafted out of Moto, which is a team uh, over in uh, Sweden. And our guest today, Alex Edler, he played some junior hockey with Moto Junior. So there's a little connection there to Moto. Only four players ever by the LA Kings have been drafted out of the Moto system. The more probably... Recent and well-known player would be Adrian Kempe, mm-hmm. but uh, you have Caberlet, Frank Caberlet, of course, as Bob Miller <laughs> called him. Uh, Frank played for Moto for a number of years. I think it was three or four seasons before he came over here to uh, North America. So today we have Alex Edler joining us in the second period. Dennis, he has played over a thousand NHL games combined, regular season and uh, with with the playoffs as well, he is arguably the best defenseman to ever play for the Vancouver Canucks. He's the you know very long tenure there. And he's jumping ship. He's coming over to the L.A. Kings this season. Yeah, it's just uh, it'll be odd for him, I'm sure, stepping out in in the black and white the first night. And certainly when they play Vancouver uh, the first night, it'll be I'm sure there'll be a video tribute. You know, we always like to kid about video tributes. But, yeah, it's going to be a cultural change for a guy who, you know, was connected to that franchise for his entire career. So about a month or maybe two months ago at this point now, we had another former Canuck turned L.A. King on the program. We had Willie Mitchell on, and he talked about moving out of the Pacific Northwest down to Southern California, joining the L.A. Kings. And that whole time period, what a weird period from 2010 through about 2014, because 2010, of course, the Kings made their return to the playoffs after being out for a number of years. They played Vancouver. Uh, Vancouver was really on the rise at that time. The Kings were coming out of a... Uh, a hibernation period, let's call it that, Dennis, uh, sure. that was going to lead up to eventually 2012. And, of course, that big series in 2012, Jared Stolday in overtime in Vancouver, five-game series that started that 2012 run. But uh, it'll be interesting to sort of touch on some of those emotions, some of those feels, as they say, Dennis, with Alex Edler. Yeah, it's got to be an emotional time for the guy. When you This is the only hockey team you know in the NHL for that long a period of time, and you're connected – like that. I assume his jersey is going to be to the rafters at some point in time. So I'm sure it's going to be a difficult transition, but he still wants to play. And uh, he saw fit here in Los Angeles as the team did. All right. So, uh, DB, before we bring in Alex Edler, I want to break a little bit of news here. Earlier today, I don't know if you happen to catch the old Mayor's Manor Instagram post, I did. but I put out a save the date, August 28th, which is coming up very quickly. It'll be here in a number of weeks, but save the date, Dennis, because the Kings are working on something. On August 28th. What is it, John? 
Yeah. Well, guess what? Mayor's Manor happens to have the details. DB, okay? okay. You want the details? We have the details. This is what's going on. The Kings are going to have a play the kids party going on at Staples Center. All this talk about play the kids. Well, let's play the kids. This is what's going down. So uh, development camp, as I leaked out last week, development camp is due to kick off that Monday, which uh, if my calendar is correct, I believe that that is August 23rd. So they'll do a week of development camp. That's going to be down in El Segundo at TSPC, Toyota Sports Performance Center. Uh, Fans, from what I understand, will be allowed into the building for development camp. Uh, that whole week, and that's going to be a ticketed event for fans. Tickets will be free. However, I think they need to do that because of the whole contact tracing and things like that for different protocol reasons and whatnot, crowd control, numbers, whatever. I don't know all the details, but I'm sure the LA Kings will tell you all about that soon. Ticketed event. Fans will be allowed in the building. You can watch all the prospects. Uh, Some of the college kids are coming in, Andre Lee, a whole bunch of other things. But at the end of that week, that Saturday, which is August 28th, there will be kind of a return to Staples Center, a play the kids party. It's what I'm calling it. I'm sure their marketing <laughs> team will come up with a better phrase or a different one. Right. But I like mine better. Play the kids party. It's going to be like a skills competition, DB, from what I understand. So uh, they're going to have about uh, 12 to 14 of the top prospects, including Quentin Byfield, Alex Turcott, Kaliev is going to be there. Uh, there are some other names, perhaps maybe Gabe Velarde. I'm not exactly sure at this point, but... They're going to bring these kids in. They're going to do a skills competition type event on the ice. It's going to be hosted by Kings alumni and development coaches, Matt Green, Jared Stoll. Uh, I think also Sean O'Donnell is going to be involved. And then some select fans will be allowed to go down on the ice and even skate on the ice without the players, of course. Sure. But they'll be allowed to skate on the ice and things like that. So it's going to be a whole big thing that's going on at Staples Center a play the kids party, Dennis. What do you think? <laughs> well, for the guy who coined the phrase, I think it's amazing. I think it's so much fun, John, that um, I, I think that's a great start to next season, to be honest with you. And to, to put a capstone on development camp and have that fun time and have fans engaged, I think that's, that's a fantastic idea and concept that they've come up with. Yeah, um, I'm not exactly sure how it's all going to work. So, again, this is all kind of preliminary. But from what I'm hearing, the guys on the ice, uh, the, the three coaches, Stoli, Greener, and, and, and Odie, um, will perhaps be mic'd up, and they'll sort of be interacting live with the crowd. So it'll be kind of an interactive thing. I, and maybe there's a Q&A after. I'm not exactly sure. But, uh, you know, it's all coming together very quickly here. Development camp, as we had talked about, was – it was questionable to the timing of it because right. the league had told teams they couldn't do the development camp slash conditioning camp until the month of August, even though normally it falls immediately after the uh, the draft. So this is going to be closer to rookie camp. And, DB, that's what's going to be the weird part to me is normally development camp, the end of that typically sort of signifies the beginning of my summer. Right. <laughs> because after <laughs> development camp, that's when things wind down, right? And I get a month off or whatever. But this time around, it feels like it's, it's, it's building to something because 828, and then you're going to really just have like Labor Day weekend, and then boom, you're going to be in rookie camp yeah. and the rookie face-off tournament in Arizona. So uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. And Dennis, I don't want to give all, everything away right now, but I will also just um, suggest for the listeners that there's a good chance that there could be some maybe like live podcast type things sort of oh, really? maybe happening uh, during development camp ish, eight twenty eight ish. Might be something to where you know if you want to you want to hear some stuff live, some exclusive content. I'm working on some things behind the scenes, DP. You're so always working on the, stuff, the Jay. listeners. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Yeah, the listeners, a, a little the bonus for the listeners, as much as the. Uh, and you and I have shared the numbers, John. You know the numbers. The, the numbers have been stunning over the last couple of months. Uh, so a little bit of an extra bonus from award to our amazing fans. That would be uh, that would be epic. And who knows during the season, maybe even you know we can get a remote location, John. Maybe do some live podcasts. Who knows? You never know. But that sounds great. There you go. That sounds amazing. That would be great, especially during development camp because it's a little less stressful, a little less corporate. You know, you're not talking about games and and time constraints. You should have a little bit more time. So that would be. Uh, it's always great to interact with the fans. DB, I'm ready to have some fun, man. I've been Amen, cooped up John. inside the house for the better part of 18 months. <laughs> I've only seen one live show in 18 months, Holy which is, is enough to wow. just you know just tear me up inside, right? Sure. Like live music is is like oxygen to me. So it's been rough between no music and no live sporting events. Uh, everything's sort of coming back now. Obviously, we all have to be careful because of you know additional restrictions mm-hmm. and, and and all these different things that are going on. So. 
carefully and you know following proper safety guidelines. I'm just I'm ready to have some fun, DB. I don't want I don't mean to put you on the spot. I didn't mention this to you ahead of time before we started recording. However, I sent out a tweet. I think it was yesterday, saying, "Hey, I kind of have an idea. I'm thinking about doing a power ranking thing of our sure. guests, like the yep. best shows." This all stems from the fact that. The response to the um, Marchionetti, mm-hmm. the recent Marchionetti podcast, has been overwhelming, DB. Yeah. Like, overwhelming. No People are hitting me up on Twitter, on Instagram, in, in, in DMs, email, like any way that people have a way to contact us, leaving messages on Mayor's Manor. Like, everybody seems to love that episode. And it's not surprising because we had a similar response the first time he was on the program. And it always sort of leads to then sort of other people saying, yes, it's one of my favorites, along with the X episode, right? And people have yeah. mentioned several different people. I don't want to bait you here by giving you all the other names. But this is my question of putting you on the spot. When you think back over 105 episodes, is there – we always joke about the Vopot episode, uh, Roman Vopot, because it was, it was so <laughs> That was going to be my pick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, putting that yeah. one aside, it, 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 when you think back mm-hmm. over 105 episodes, is there one, maybe two episodes that just really stand out in your mind like, man, that was a really, really fun interview or a good episode? I think there are two, John. I think Fuda and I think Stuthers. I think okay. because of their longstanding with the organization and the – the emotional departure of both, I, I think to me mm-hmm. that's the ones that, that stand out because there it, it was like transparency, honesty, things of that nature. So for me, those two stand out. All right. Well, I had those in my – I did a rough sketch last night of the top 20, and it was hard. It was difficult, sure. I'll be honest with you. Um, it especially it, – it, I was almost wondering if, if I should do it like in a tier, like, like, a, like a draft list. Yeah, of, 100%. Because people, people will want to debate, right? Like, top, like if I put food a third <laughs> and Stuthers fourth, like, you know, people will want to debate that. Maybe that's a good thing. gives people something to argue about. I don't know. But so it's kind of just thinking like, you know, here, here's the, the A group and here's the A minus group. I don't know. But the point is in, in the top five, I did have Fuda and Stutz both in there for the reasons that you just specified. So um, – It'll be it'll be interesting. It's also difficult. I found this difficult because interviewing a, a player, a, an active player, I should say, mm-hmm. compared to interviewing a prospect, compared to interviewing right. a retired player slash management, those are almost like three separate groups to me. Sure, because the the the, the context of the conversation yes. is so different. Of course. Would you agree that those are kind of like? Almost three separate categories in and of themselves. They're three different types of interviews, without question. You're absolutely right. So, so if you want to categorize them, and, and I, I'm I'm precluding the two Unetti interviews, that those are assumptive ones. But the but yeah, I agree that those are different types of interviews, different context, uh, different you know different people at different stages of careers as well. Right, exactly. Because like the David Rennick episode to me is still iconic yeah. and. I mean, I just I la- I could listen to it twenty times and I would die laughing every single time. It's just the Karate Kid crushed yes. it. It was so amazing. <laughs> but but then like you use the word emotion and the raw emotion to be able to compare that episode to like the Stutz episode. It, it, it's almost unfair because they're two entirely different styles or types of interviews. Yeah, it's it's truly and it's cliche, but it's truly apples and oranges. It, it's hard to compare the two. It's two different levels, two different levels of emotion, as you say. This is the last yeah. minute of play okay, in the look, period. Um, let's try to create some more magic, DB. On the other side of the break right here, we have Alex Edler. He is the newest member of the Los Angeles Kings, recently signed to a unrestricted free agent contract. He'll be with the LA Kings at this point on a one-year deal. Uh, we have a bunch of questions lined up for him. And so on the other side of the break, we'll talk with Alex Edler right after this. podcast second period we're excited right now we're going to go international once again a few episodes ago we went over to sweden we talked to victor arvidsson now we're going to go out to the blue line talk with the newest la kings defenseman he has over a thousand nhl games played between the regular season and the playoffs 
I'm talking about Alex Edler. Alex, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Happy to be on. Well, let's start with the name, first of all, uh, because I've seen it both ways and I want to get it right. So are we supposed to call you Alex or Alexander? Which one? Uh, you know what? It's been Alex my whole career, uh, so that's fine. I think that's easier for everyone. Okay, well, easy is good, so we'll go with that. Um, how's life in Sweden been uh, so far in the offseason besides, of course, signing the contract? We'll get into all of that stuff, but just in general, how's, how's life going over there in Sweden right now? Uh, it's been really good. Uh, you know, I haven't been back for a while. I didn't go back last summer because of the pandemic, so it's been really great being back here, seeing a lot of friends, a lot of family, you know, spending a lot of time with them, uh, and, you know, the weather's been, been solid too, so uh, I've had a good time here. Good. No complaints. We like that. The weather here has been extremely warm, so it's been a it's been a fun summer. And I'm going to assume that you're excited about this Swedish army that the L.A. Kings are putting together. Along with yourself, you have Adrian Kempe and Leah Anderson and Carl Grundstrom and Arvidsson that I mentioned. Uh, it's quite the Swedish contingent that, that, that they're building here in L.A. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's always, uh, you know, that's always a good thing for the team and the organization. Right. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to meet them all. Uh, you know, I haven't, uh, I don't really know any of them, but uh, I'm very excited to meet them all and, and also the rest of the, the team, for sure. Yeah, it's going to be different having spent your whole NHL career, those thousand games that I mentioned earlier with one organization to come into LA to have all these new teammates. But uh, let's try to have some fun today. That's what we're known here for on Kings the Podcast. And now I, I will tell you in advance, I did some research. I asked around. I wanted to learn about you as much as I could. Some of your former teammates and whatnot, they were telling me things like you're a classy guy. You're great in the room. But some of the media people up there also told me that you play your cards pretty close to the vest. So we're going to try to break those walls down today and uh, have a little bit of fun. What does that sound like? All right. You can always try. <laughs> I I will do my best. Why don't we start off with the question that everybody in Los Angeles wants to know right now, and that is, what is going to happen with your number? Is it fair to assume that you are not offering a Rolls Royce or a Rolex watch to Dustin Brown and that he's going to keep number 23? Is it fair to assume that you're going to have to go in a different direction? Yeah, he's definitely going to keep his number 23. Uh, that's that's his number for sure. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm It doesn't it's not that big of a deal to me what number I have. Uh, I actually picked number two. I had a talk with the the, uh, the trainer there, uh, Darren. Uh, picked number two, and I said it was in honor of Matthias Oland, who I know he's had before in, when he was in Vancouver. Uh, so I, I think he liked that. He liked uh, Matthias, which, and he's been a, a, a great role model for me too. So I thought that was a very fitting number for me. Very much so. Classy move there. I like to hear that. So that's exciting. People can now go out and order their, their Edler 2 jerseys, and they'll have those ready for you on opening <laughs> night. Training camp will be here before we know it. Um, I was also tipped off that I should ask you to about the origin of your nickname. So what can you tell us uh, about the origin of your nickname? Well, so my nickname has been Eagle for, for many, many years, uh, and I, I don't even remember why. But I remember it was Trevor Linda that came up with it. And I think in the beginning he called me Eaglet because I was still, you know, young and <laughs> a rookie. So I think that's he's he's the one that started it and it's just stuck ever since. Uh, and, you know, it's uh, I don't mind it. It's it's not a bad nickname. Yes, it's not. the It's not a bad one at all. The important thing with a nickname is you can't self-gloss, meaning you cannot come up with your own nickname. Somebody else has to give you that nickname. So good to hear that uh, Trevor Linden was the one that gave it to you and, and that you've graduated from Eaglet to just a full-grown eagle. That's good to know. Um, now, you took a little bit of a different path than maybe some uh, Swedish players did. You came over, you played in the WHL. You were actually teammates with one of our recent guests on the program, Troy Bodie, uh, who will be heading up the, the American Hockey League Club going out in Palm Springs. And when you guys were together back in the WHL, you had some success with the Kelowna Rockets. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, you know, I, I didn't get the opportunity or, you know, I... I I guess it wasn't good enough to play in the Swedish uh, the SHL there at the time. There was some uh, other guys that were, you know, better than me. So I, I got an opportunity. I got drafted by the Vancouver Canucks, and they they kind of gave me an opportunity to come over and play uh, junior hockey in, in Canada. So I thought that, you know, that was, uh, you know, uh, something fun to try for me. Uh, it wasn't an easy decision, but uh, I thought it was – it turned out to be a great career move for me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had a, a great great time there learning kind of the style, the American style, how to play over here. And I think it was a, <clears throat> a good stepping stone for me to, to the NHL. And, uh, 
you know, I, I remember Troy very well. I, I think he was, uh, you know, a great leader on that team uh, back then. I think, uh, you know, he helped out all the new guys, all the young guys. So I have good memories from then. Now, I, I know it's a different point in your life. Uh, you were an eaglet then, you're an eagle now, but can you draw some some parallels to those time periods in the sense of you went there to Kelowna, you you didn't know anything I would imagine about the city or the team, and you had to find a way to acclimate into that group. And in certain areas, there, there could be some parallels to this move coming to Los Angeles, I would imagine. Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, you know, back then, I mean, I, yeah, I was young and nervous moving to a new country uh you know my english was not as good as it is now uh but <clears throat> you know coming into a new team not really knowing anyone uh that's kind of similar to to how it is now and i think you know playing in vancouver for so many years you've I've kind of gotten comfortable there uh kind of knowing how everything works how knowing everyone so i think uh you know it's good for me personally to to come to a new team and have to you know Go through, go through all that again and, you know, get to know people, get out of my comfort zone a little bit. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And people love to think that they know, whether it's media or fans or whomever, but really at the end of the day, it's the players that know best. That's a pressure cooker, I would imagine, at times playing in Vancouver. You've been there through the highs. You were there through the lows. How did you handle that media attention, probably second only to maybe Montreal or Toronto in terms of the attention that that market gets from the local media? How did you handle it or how did you approach it beyond what I, you know, jokingly said earlier that you just played the cards close to your vest? Yeah, I think, the, you know, the interest is so huge there. You know, everyone talks about the Canucks, everyone knows hockey, uh, you know, there's 20, 30 media media guys, people in the dressing room after every practice, after every game. But, you know, like that's that's how it was from day one for me. So, you know, I got used to it. <clears throat> I never really, I wasn't never really too interested in, in reading what they were writing about everything. You you sense that anyways in, in, in the city. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, I think the, the media attention that could be hard on some guys, uh, I think you'll get used to it. Uh, and I think, you know, for me, just not knowing anything else that's just how it was from from day one and you know you got more and more comfortable with it and you knew how to to handle it kind of so i think uh you know it's been okay it's uh i i think i've the older i get the the, the more i understand their part and uh you know you respect them more and more and it's easier and easier to talk to to media uh so yeah yeah, not all of us are bad. Some of us are okay to talk to, I would imagine. But you, uh, yeah. you, you, uh, like I said, the ups and the downs. I mean, you were there for the great years, you know, the cup run and the President's Trophy and, um, you know, all, all that sort of stuff. But last year, I'm, I'm just guessing, might have been tough at different times, the trials and tribulations of this past season. How did you process what was going on either in the room or what was going on on the ice? And how did it impact you personally? Yeah, <clears throat> I think uh, it was uh, obviously a weird year for everyone. And you know, a difficult year for for our team for uh, for me personally. I, I would you know, none in our no one in our team or organization was happy about last year. And but you know, like it was, it's been just a hard time for for everyone, not just hockey players. The last uh, year and a bit. So uh, you know, I think uh, yeah, last year was wasn't great. And uh, you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to you know having fun playing hockey again and playing in front of fans and. You know that part that's that's the reason why you play that's so great so that's uh something i'm really looking forward to i wonder if you would either agree or disagree with this i've made reference a few times to the fact that i think that this next year is going to be like the second year after some of the lockouts and what i mean by that is the 2020 the long layoff that people had it reminded me of coming out of the of the uh, the lockout years where that first year back some veteran players didn't always adjust quickly and return and rebound to the type of players that they were prior to that. And I'm just curious if you think sort of the same thing that, okay, now we've had that first year back out of the way. And do you think that this coming year is going to be more normal for veteran players that you know, whether it's they'll be in shape or their timing or their rhythm or whatever, do, do you see the, the the comparison that I'm making uh, to those lockout years? Uh, <clears throat> I'm not sure. Maybe I, I just, I think that everyone uh, around the league is, can, is very excited going into this season uh, and hopefully we will have more of a normal season with with fans because that's you know that's what everyone wants that's what's uh, make the game so exciting uh, so I think <clears throat> everyone is excited about that and you know veterans like yeah you know after playing so many games it, it's sometimes harder to 
to motivate yourself going into an empty building. So I think, uh, you know, for me personally, I'm so, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm so excited to, to see fans out there again. Well, and speaking of that, you have had uh, quite a bit of experience playing in a packed house in Los Angeles. So let's relive some of those memories because I'm, I'm sort of thinking that before you signed with the Kings, when they started showing some interest in you, I would imagine that it maybe brought up some memories from 2010, 2012, and that sort of time frame. Let's go back to 2010. The Canucks were gearing up for what would be a run to the Stanley Cup final. The Kings were an upstart team at the time. They hadn't made the playoffs in a number of years. What do you remember about that 2010 playoff series against the LA Kings? Uh, oh, boy. That's, yeah, it's a long time ago. <laughs> but I think uh, what I do remember is that every game was so close. Uh, I think, I don't know if they were, if you went to overtime, or I, but I think, I don't know if it was game four or something that we beat them. Uh, I think we scored a few more goals, and that's kind of when we felt that you know now we're gonna we're gonna take this. It's 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 we're gonna win this now. But yeah, I just remember every every game being very close, and uh, yeah, we just ended up on the right side of it. And then, if I remember correctly, it was 2011. You guys went to the Cup final after all that you know had been hyped up in Vancouver by the fans, the media, probably the players as well. What do you take away from that 2011 Cup final when you look back on it now? I mean, it's been 10 years at this point. Yeah, I mean, now I look back at it, 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 it was a great, it was a great time. Like it's probably maybe the highlight of my NHL career so far. You know, just uh, that Cup run, the excitement in the city, and the, the, how uh, the fans were every game, and uh, you know, you just felt it in the city through the whole thing. Uh, obviously, still, you know, it's still, you know losing in the final that wasn't easy and I, I don't think you'll ever get over that but you know looking back at the whole run it was it was an amazing experience now the following year in 2012 did that have a different feel than 2010 you know with this la kings team kings canucks first round willie mitchell being on the blue line for the la kings uh, did, did that just make the series all that much more different than it was just two years prior yeah i think uh, you know we we wanted to be like a you know, we, we failed the year before and now we just wanted to do it again. And I, I, I honestly feel like we were looking ahead a little bit, maybe looking ahead the LA Kings a little bit. And that was obviously a huge mistake on our part because, you know, they, yeah, you saw that they, I think we won one game and I don't know if how many more games they lost that playoffs. So they were, they were good. And they, they really, I remember they really came together uh, late that year and then they were just, you know, unstoppable in the playoffs. Yeah, only three more losses, uh, I believe, that entire run. They were able to sweep the second round. One one loss against uh, Shane Doan and the Arizona Coyotes in the uh, conference final. And then it was a fun time there in the in the final against New Jersey. But uh, how about this one? You didn't face the L.A. Kings last season. So I'm just curious, how much do you know about this new defensive group with Mikey Anderson, uh, Toby Bjornfoot, et cetera? Um, I mean, not a whole lot. Like all those young guys, I, obviously, I know the, the older guys very well. I've played a lot against them and you know knowing how good they are and how hard they are to play against so i'm looking forward to play with them now but uh you know i'm excited to see all the young guys uh getting to know them and uh you know i i think uh, you know obviously they're the the future there so that's uh, that's very exciting now one guy that was added to the la kings just a couple hours before you officially joined the team was philippe Deneau from the montreal canadians you did have an opportunity to play against him and see him up close and personal this past season something that the la kings players and fans didn't get to because of the realignment in the nhl what's it like playing against Deneau? yeah I was a good player smart player uh you know we had a really hard time with montreal this year uh and they 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 played really good, really well against us. Uh, I don't know if we won a single game against them. So, you know, he was a big part of that team, and uh, you know they were really good. So it's uh, it's a great addition for 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 us now. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. And did you already know that Dano had signed with Los Angeles prior to inking the deal, or were the negotiations just really more focused on you and you know term and money, et cetera? Yeah, no, I didn't know that he was coming, but that was obviously a, a nice surprise. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing wrong with adding more veteran experience to the to the young LA Kings club. Now, um, any any discussions or talk at all? Who do you think you're going to be partnered with? Is it a situation where you'll line up on the left side of Matt Roy, line up on the left side of Sean Walker? What are you thinking at this point? Uh, you know what? I don't know. I'm just uh, you know I'm looking forward to getting down there, start skating with the guys. Uh, I don't know what that when that's going to be, and then you know you get into training camp, and then uh, you know it's up to the coach to to pair you with whoever he thinks will fit best. I'm you know what I'm going to play with whoever he wants me to play with. And I'm just gonna, 
you know, do whatever I can to play as good as I can. And uh, yeah, and we'll go from there. All right, Alex, come clean. Are you going to lobby to play with Drew Doughty or you're comfortable in a second or third pair role? Uh, you know what? I You always want to play as much as you, as you can. Uh, that's the same with everyone. But uh, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm playing wherever the team needs me. Let's right. say that. <laughs> Definitely playing it close to the vest. I like it. Now, you're stuck on 99 career goals, or that's where you are at this particular moment. I say stuck there because you unfortunately went the entire year without adding to that total, which means you're going to get that benchmark goal in Los Angeles, or at least wearing an LA Kings uniform. That's sort of a nice way to to stamp your new team and to start the second phase of your career. Goal number 100 in an LA Kings uniform. Have you visualized that yet? You scoring goal number 100 wearing a Kings uniform. Yeah, I mean, I hope it, it comes pretty soon. I don't want to go another year with no goal, but uh, uh, yeah, it, it, you know what? I, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I hope it happens uh, sooner rather than later. But uh, no, it, it's it's actually, I mean, it's just a number, but uh, yeah, I mean, it will be nice to get it. Uh, with, right, with now, the LA Kings for sure. Now, it always amazes me the memories that hockey players uh, carry with them. So I'm curious, it's been a while, but do you remember goal 99? Do you know where you were and what team you sported against? Yeah, <clears throat> well, I do know it. I think I'm pretty sure it was in Montreal. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Yes. February yeah. 25th, 2020. Uh, yes. The only Montreal. reason I know that, yeah, the only reason I know that is because, you know, in the dressing room, that became kind of a thing. Not me not getting the 100 goals and not scoring goal last year. So we kind of looked it up, like how long ago was this last goal really? So uh, that's that's why I know it. Okay, well, let's not make it a thing then. Let's come up with a new thing uh, for you in Los Angeles. We'll have a, I don't know what it is, but we'll have to come up with something new for you. Now, some of your former teammates uh, there in Vancouver told me that you're a big music guy, that you like classics, you like everything. So I have to ask because music is a big part of the program here at Kings of the Podcast. What are you listening to these days? What are your favorite bands or artists? Give us a little bit of your musical taste. I mean, I listen to everything. Uh, I, I like almost all music. Uh, you know, I right now, I would say having two kids, I'm listening to a lot of their music and trying to, to enjoy that too. And I think that's kind of nice when you share music with your kids and, you know, they're, we're in the car and they're singing along and you try to do the same. So uh you know I, I appreciate a lot of different music uh, i love going to concerts uh you know i don't think it would be fair to throw out one band uh but i do you know i like everything from yeah i don't know like hip-hop rap to really really heavy metal uh but yeah, unfortunately i don't that music i don't listen get to listen to that much it's mostly by myself because other people doesn't seem to want to listen to too much. <laughs> yes, I don't think you need to be uh, opening up the kids to Swedish death metal at this point. Probably not the best thing. Give them a couple more years. <laughs> what was the last concert that you attended? Do you remember? No, I don't. I feel like it's been so long ago since I went to a concert. Uh, I can't know. I honestly, I can't remember. Okay. I have no clue. What was the last song you sang in the car with your kids then? Uh, what did we sing? I don't know if it was something Swedish, maybe. No, probably not. I know. I know my 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 oldest daughter. She really likes the new song with Ed Sheeran, but I don't. I can't really sing along to it yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you're but, working uh, on it. <laughs> that's been going on repeat. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, we all know how that is with the kids, right? Once they find a song or a movie or a show that they like, for some reason, it's on repeat nonstop for several weeks. So you learn every facet of that song or TV show. Yeah, for sure. I keep telling them, like, well, you got to listen to new music, too. But no, same, yeah. same old. Now, when you say that you like uh, heavy metal, are we talking like Black Sabbath, Judas Priest? You know, are we talking Metallica? Are we talking hair metal from the 80s with, you know, Motley Crue, Poison? What, what, what genre or subgenre of heavy metal are you into? I mean, I liked everything you said there, but like, I love the classic rock. Uh, you know, Metall my brother really had a lot of Metallica records when I was a kid, so I really... That's probably the first band I really got into. So they've been kind of one of my favorites since since being very young. Uh, but, you know, there's there's some good uh, heavy metal bands coming from Sweden. Uh, In Flames is a good one. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I can't come up with anything else. But I'm, I'm pretty open to, to everything. The fact that you just dropped an In Flames reference on this program, I'm going to give you high marks uh, for this particular visit to Kings of the Podcast. <laughs> Alex, the Eagle, number two here in Los Angeles. Uh, I just want to be the one of the very few people or very first people to welcome you to the LA Kings.
congratulations on your new contract. Looking forward to you slotting in there with whomever your partner might be. And uh, enjoy the rest of the summer. Good luck on your Ed Sheeran uh, practice and hope to see you in Los Angeles next month. Thank you very much. Uh, it, was good. it was good to be on the show and I'm uh, really excited to, to come to LA. All right, there you go. Alex Edler. We'll be back after the break. We'll talk more about that and more LA Kings. We have come so far. Crawling nice and naughty facts. We had a purpose and a reason behind space and time. of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Okay, Kings of the Podcast, third period. Thanks again to Alex Edler for joining us all the way from Sweden. DB, this is becoming like a thing. Kings of the Podcast is now an international program. We've had to go overseas a number of times. Uh, Of course, Christian Rutu back in the day, which was last year. Uh, but now, just in recent times, we, we went overseas to talk to Victor Arvidsson and now to uh, to Alex Edler. So the internationally known, internationally famous, uh, which is, of course, Morrissey uh, show here, Kings of the Podcast. But thanks to Alex Edler for, for giving us a little bit of information, including his new number, DB. He's going to be going with number two here in Los Angeles. Whoa, number two. That's that's uh, that's interesting, John, that the number two since the. Uh... The last guy who was number two is uh, is a longtime favorite of the uh, Kings fans. Well, technically, the last guy to wear number two oh, that's was right. Paul Ledoux. Paul but we can kind of put that's that what I meant. That's what I meant, John. That's what you meant. Okay, <laughs> I thought you were more. I thought you were more famously referring to the aforementioned in the first period, Matt Green. He of the blood trickling yes. down his face in the playoffs. Yes. Matt Green. But Dennis, here's an interesting thing, though, about number two, just to sort of do some numerology here. Sure. Uh, I wanted to save numerology for for this segment uh, to first give Alex the opportunity to talk about his new number. Twenty seven players have actually worn number two for the L.A. Kings. And what's interesting about this number to me, Dennis, is those lower numbers are typically numbers that are the first to go in, in, in hockey. Right. And so you would think, oh, well, there probably have been some really famous, long-standing players in L.A. that have worn number two. And up until the time that Matt Green wore it, that is absolutely not the, the case, opposite. Dennis. Mm-hmm. Bob Wall was the original king. He was the first mm-hmm. king captain. He wore the number in that first season. He wore it for a couple of years. And then basically you just go down this long list of players that wore the number either for just one season. Then you get to like Terry Harper who wore it for a couple of seasons. And you just keep going down the list. Yeah, one season, one season, two mm-hmm. seasons, one season. And you go down and it, it's just this long list. Like I said, 25 plus players, maybe fans will remember like Alex Jitnik. He wore it for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Benning. He wore it for a couple of years. Doug Schmolik. He wore it for a very brief uh, time after coming over in a trade. Caberlet, coincidentally, who I mentioned earlier at the yes. top of the show uh, from, from the comparison there. And then uh, Richard Pettiot, he wore the number for a while, but Matt Green is the, is the sole player Dennis to ever have any type of longevity with the number. He wore it from the 2009 season all the way to 2017 when he retired, Matt Green, of course, a uh, very, very popular member of the L.A. Kings organization. I will share something. I have asked Greener a number of times to come on the program. To me, he's one of the funniest people I've ever met. We've heard some of our uh, uh, guests talk about that. Um, Green, <laughs> when I've recently asked Matt Green to come on the program, he uh, basically said that one of the best parts about being retired is he doesn't have to talk to anybody anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't <laughs> I mean, it, it's so difficult that's a, to um but that's the ex- answer you expect right if it's going to be a no that's is. the context right <laughs> well i've told the story many times on the program as well about um basically the time that he gave me his phone number and then told me to never use it so it's like, <laughs> you just can't win with matt Green, no you can't right? it's just not from a media <laughs> standpoint no no it, well no matter no matter 
when you think that you have the perfect comeback, because there have been many, many times, this goes back to the Dustin Penner days more than anything, because between yeah. the two of them, I mean, they haven't met a one-liner that they haven't enjoyed or, or, or uh, done a good job of, of doling out. But there were several times where, like, I thought I had the perfect one-liner to get back mm-hmm. at Greener and, and catch him off guard. And no, he just immediately, his, his ability to retort on the fly was absolutely amazing. Um, so... Yeah, well, he doesn't he doesn't want to do any no. interviews at this point, Dennis, no. but the offer is there. Matt Always. Green, we will, we will dedicate invitation. any amount of time. Standing offer. Absolutely. Exactly. Jay, I have, I have a numerology question for you. I don't know if you've even brought this up on any of the episodes, but you would be the guy to ask. Which number has been worn the most times by a Kings player? Ooh, that's a good question. Um I, I always think about number 12 because it's been worn by so many players, but it has never really, it's never really stuck. We talked about someone. that on a, on, a, uh, on a previous episode. I, that is the number off the top of my head. I think that is the answer to the question. Mm-hmm. If it's, if it's not number 12, um, it's going to be a number. Well, 11 was worn by a lot of people and 10 was worn by a lot of people. I'm going to say number 12. I can go back and look mm-hmm. that up, but I, I, I want to yeah. say, I want to say number 12, which is just crazy to me, um, given – and we talked about that with Trevor Moore a few episodes ago. <laughs> Although he <laughs> – talk about quick retort. He immediately reminded me that Marion Gabrick wore number 12, right? which is funny just because I don't – when I think of the number 12 in L.A., I don't think of Marion Gabrick. I don't know. Is that weird? Yeah, who, who do you think of? Well, the, that's kind of the problem with that oh, number is so many people right have away. worn it that, like, like nobody sticks out, like – Couturier wore the number. He was only here a couple years. Jimmy Carson wore the number very mm-hmm, briefly. Mm-hmm. Roman Vop, to believe it or not, to tell you the honest <laughs> truth, for me personally, yeah. Roman Vopot is the guy that I think it's of a guy. because no, really. he was such a key figure in, in the trade for Wayne Gretzky that mm-hmm. Roman Vopot, number 12, just kind of kind of like okay. it sticks. Maybe, maybe a Patrick O'Sullivan, because there was a brief period of time where like he was the hot young prospect, guy, right, you know, yep. that was supposed to make by the way, guys, hot young thing, as in he was supposed to be the next big thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Randy Jones. <laughs> Simone Gagne for a very brief yeah, period Simone, of time. But yeah. here's the funny thing there. When I think of Simone Gagne, all I think of is him in a clown outfit because at the King's Halloween party, he was voted the best costume and he was dressed up like a clown. <laughs> and so, a matter of fact, I think it was Matt Green who told me that story. Um, uh, Greener went as a wrestler. He went as... Um, Randy the Ram from remember um, what's the guy's name? Not Mickey O'Rourke. What's the guy's name? The the actor that played Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke, yes, Mickey yeah. Rourke. He was nominated for an Academy Award, I think. Excellent movie, by the way. Uh, the very dark, yeah. but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> speaking of Matt Green. That's another another funny Greener story. That's when. Matt Green uh, told me <laughs> that's when I was collecting pictures from the party. It was like Penner. He was dressed yeah. up as like a wounded, um, a wounded uh, a soldier. And you had uh, uh, Trevor Lewis and Drew Doughty who went as the Heart Foundation, which is funny in and of itself. Right. Um, and then Greener was dressed up too. And, and, and so I was like, oh, hey, do you, know, do you have a picture? <laughs> do you remember his comment? No. Oh, okay. I thought you might remember because I think I've shared it on the show before. Greener says... Um, why do I need a picture? I was there. And I was like, wait, you didn't take any pictures of yourself dressed up for Halloween. And he points at his head and like, you know, and like touches his, you, you know, know his John, dome. And that, like, that's, that's me to some pictures extent. Pictures are up here. Yeah. That, that's to me to some extent. I don't have a ton of pictures. I'm not that sentimental of a guy or, or memorialize things. And, and that, that's, that's my thinking as well. Like, I was there. I remembered it. So whatever. <laughs> but you do have pictures, though, of when you've dressed up. A few, because, like, I remember when you went to the Kentucky Derby and you were all done up. Yeah, you yeah, texted yeah. me the yeah. picture. And yeah. so there – and, like, when you've done some things, like, with the big pineapple drink and whatever with yes, all the umbrellas course. in it, yeah. you, you've taken a few pictures. I think if you – okay – Matt Green ordered official wrestling boots as if he was signed by the WWE. We're like, <laughs> when, when, um, when, when Dewey dressed up as the Heart Foundation, I, like he's just wearing like a pair of Reeboks or something. Yeah, like he, sure. he, he was in the pink spandex. So I don't want to say he didn't go all in, but like Matt Green is like, he's a detail guy. So he yeah. ordered the official, official wrestling boots. Right. When you go that all in yeah. on a costume, wouldn't you take a picture? One? Uh, yes. I, yes. Yeah, I get it. You would. You would. One picture. One. One, one picture. snap. One. one picture. 
at the same time, it does not or it did not surprise me no. one bit when when Greener's response was, "Why do I need a picture? I was there." <laughs> uh, there are a number just to try to get the train back on the tracks here, Dennis. There are a number of uh, jersey number changes that are coming yes. up this season, and there's an article on Mayor's Manor today that kind of walks through this. But just to uh, do a verbal run through on that, not only is Alex Edler moving into number two. Um, you also have, this is going to be some breaking news here on Mayor's Manor, Toby Bjornfoot has finally landed upon a number. He, of course, was booted out of 33 by Victor Arvidsson coming over from the Nashville Predators. Uh, Toby Bjornfoot is going to wear number seven. Now, when you think number seven, there are two players that immediately come to mind for me. Do you, who, who do you think uh, comes to mind for you, or who does come to mind for you, Dennis? Number seven, L.A. Kings. Army. Interesting. Not not one of the two players. I have Rob Scuderi, but of course, okay. ultimately I land at Tomas Sandstrom as number seven. So oh, of if you want to add Army no, in, that question. would be three players then. Yeah. Toby Bjornfoot, and here's the funny thing. While he is moving into number seven, uh, from what I understand, he has uh, signed a short-term lease on number seven. He's not committed to the number. There is a possibility that come training camp, he might not uh, stick with seven. Might not like the way it feels or it looks or whatever. So... This is a big deal to the players, Dennis. This isn't just something that the fans talk about. It's funny because some players come on the program and they're like, oh, whatever, I don't care what number yeah, I wear. Right. I'm not superstitious. And then like Willie Mitchell comes on and he talks about all the research he did on 33. But yeah, Toby Bjornfoot only signed a short-term lease on number seven, Dennis. So it's a PTO for number seven for Toby? <laughs> is that what it is? From camp? I guess that's PTO. what it is, yes. It's, it's, it's a permanent deal at, at the end of camp. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. So don't rush out at this point and order your Toby Bjornfoot seven jerseys. Um, I mean, you're kind of hardcore if you get a Bjornfoot seven, because if he only wore it during training camp and like, you know, a handful of exhibition games and then changes to me, that's pretty hardcore. It's like having a Trevor Lewis 61 or something, you know, right. a Gabe Velarde 42. Like, that's really cool to me. Um, OK, some other jersey numbers. Now, number 21, which was previously worn by Christian Wolanin, uh, he's moving to 86. More on that in a moment. I believe that 21 is going to Vladimir Tikachov, the Russian sensation that they signed. I think that's what's happening. But Wolanin has definitely moved out of 21 to make room for somebody. Uh, jersey number 24, which was previously worn by Leas Anderson. This is a whole numerology segment, Dennis. Uh, Leas Anderson has been booted from that number. Or more politely, I guess, he has agreed to give that number up to Philippe Deneau, who, of course, signed a long-term contract recently. So he will be in his familiar number 24, which leaves Leas Anderson on the hunt for a number. And, uh, Dennis, I've been checking my phone feverishly during the recording here i'm waiting for an update don't have one yet on leah sanderson i'm i'm guessing he's going to go to 25 but it's totally just a guess i'll update that article uh when you think of 24 who do you think of in the la kings uniform next question <laughs> okay colin frazier is the answer for me but okay, okay. so it, it'll be philippe to because he'll be wearing it yes. for the next six years i did mention earlier 33 is moving to victor arvidson uh you could argue a, a number of different players, perhaps probably Marty McSorley as the most famous 33 or maybe a Willie Mitchell. Those would be two numbers there. And then uh, Christian Willannon, who I mentioned, he is leaving number 21 behind. Interestingly, he's going to number 86, Dennis. Now, he debuted with the Ottawa Senators wearing number 86 as kind of one of those numbers they just, I think, haphazardly give you during training camp. And sure. I'm not sure that he had a a connection to it. I'd have to dig in further, but it probably not would be my guess, especially for a defenseman, a number that high. So he broke into the NHL wearing number 86. He has worn 21 and 24 in the NHL. But when he played for Team USA recently um, at the World Championships, he wore number 86. And I'm told he's moving back to number 86 for the LA Kings this season. Of course, we'll have to see if he makes the team out of training camp or if he's kind of like the eighth defenseman that is, that is on hold or on ice uh, down with the Ontario rain. But a lot of numbers uh, moving around, and the merry-go-round, as I said in the article, Dennis, is uh, about to come to a stop just waiting on Leas Anderson to uh, check in from Sweden and announce his number. Yeah, no, that's a fun segment, and he's right. Full numerology segment in the third period, John. You don't get that very often on Kings of the Podcast. No, not, not in the third period. Let's, <laughs> you know the format. <laughs> I do. Um, let's wrap up today's episode with one more question, Dennis. I don't know if I've ever asked you this question before, but I kind of feel like I have. If you were a player and you had to pick a number, what would your number be and why? 22, my birthday. Okay, there you go. May 22, that's May your 22. birthday. It's my birthday, 22. Yep. 
had a number of uh, solid birthday parties in recent years. I commend you for that and look forward to (laughs) to next year's birthday party. How about you, Jay? Um, What's your number? Uh, well, I would either go with my, my three lucky sort of favorite numbers are five, seven, and 12, five, because I'm the fifth, um, mm-hmm. seven has just always been a number. I don't know. Maybe it was because of Sandstrom, you know, early on. I have no idea. I've always liked seven, even before that though. Um, yeah, me too. uh, and number 12 is really just my lucky number. And, um, I don't know if that's because five plus seven is 12 or what, mm-hmm. but I, 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 which is also probably why I'm so infatuated with the number 12 on the LA Kings and know so much about the history of it, because right. I keep waiting for somebody of substance to come along and lay claim to number 12. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think five, however, if I was a player, I think I would be a forward and mm. I don't like forwards and single digit single numbers. Digit I think numbers. it's a yes. double digit. So I think I'd have to go, I'd have to go 12. Sorry, Trevor Moore. We're going to have to arm wrestle for, uh, for number 12. I don't know, Dennis. I'll just, you know. Whatever. Those those are my three numbers. We'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see where things go in the future. If I get signed to a contract or not, DB. For sure. Let's go. <laughs> Another fun episode. Thank you to Alex Edler for joining us. Uh, we've been checking off all of the new LA Kings, DB. Victor Arvidsson has already joined us. Yep. Alex Edler has already joined us, which can only mean that uh, we're on the hunt for Philippe Deneau, and we hope to have him on the program here in the coming days and weeks. Uh, until then, DB, Everybody should uh, keep an eye on Mayor's Manor for some breaking stories, and we'll give you more information about what's coming up on August 28th, and maybe we'll get together later this week, TV, and do another show. Yeah, maybe. Let's do it, Jay. All right, there you go. Have a great Monday, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. CPC crew running, bringing knuckles to brawl down a British and demeaning, getting traditional. Painted up, spike it out, the gang is ready tonight. Take the 42 north, pass electric to right. For a few of us, though, we could never contest. The noise, 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 I kept it so close, but the words were spoken. It's the last episode when the buses start running and the flash left to right. Head ahead, past the shoulders to the new music, right? For a few of us, though, we could never Burns a hole in our heads, our heads, heads. down memory slang, deranged. Grasping onto a past refrain, staggering down dead memory slang, deranged. Holding onto a faded champagne. Gotta go for the glory or give up and fail. Sitting here waiting, hands open, tail. If you see me on the corner, beggar, don't pay my bill. I'm a bit more than nothing, and your charity still. Trying out for years, fighting hand to the nail. The sad truth is the poor get poorer and fail.